I'm not trying to make you hungry for your lunch, but I just love food. I just love food. Um, and the problem is, though, I'm always looking for ways to get my food quicker. Because I'm so desperate to get it in my mouth that I can't wait for the hours to get it all cooking. And, um, and so um, I love casseroles. I love one-pot stuff. Um, and I want to share with you one of my top three ever, ever in the history of my life Christmas presents I've had. This beat the chopper I had all those years ago. Um, it, it beat anything like, like my first ever CD player, Walkman, all that kind of thing. This is in my top three. And it's going to come up on the screen here. This is my instant pot. Anybody know what one of these is? This is the best thing probably I've had in the last 20 years. And because we are global and we are, I'm being filmed this morning, I just want to say there are other good pots on the market. Lots of good crock pots and slow cookers. I'm not endorsing this one. I am endorsing this one. And, and I suppose the, um, the clue is in. Do you? All right, then I'll sound better through this one. So, um, so what an instant pot is, it reduces the amount of cooking time stuff takes. So if you're really into your stews and you love your six to eight hour cooking, beef stew, 25 minutes, melts in the mouth, I kid you not. Seriously, 25 minutes, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm salivating now. Um, that's a result in it, 25 minutes on a bit of beef, come on. And the, I love this pot. I love this pot. And I'm always looking at ways to use it more. Now, while that's on the screen, I want to ask you another question. The question is this. Do you really think people can change? Do you really, really believe people can change? And I'm talking genuine, right? Genuine, honest to goodness, inside out change. So from feeling insecure to being a secure person, from giving up to pushing through, from pessimistic to optimistic, from dishonest to honest, from living in a perpetual state of anger into consistent peace. Do you really believe that? And now you're wondering how these two link, aren't you? And so am I. I'll get there in a minute. I did this at the half night. It's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. We're okay. So I really believe that change can happen. Absolutely, 100% on my heart, believe that change can happen. But, but I also believe that we can be so trapped in our habits and behaviours that we begin every day chained to yesterday. We can begin every day chained to yesterday, thinking that we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And my problem is... I want that instant pot for my change. I want that instant pot for my change. I want to put all my stuff in there, all my thinking, all my past stuff, the things that sort of um, cause me to feel some stuff that I don't really want to feel anymore and cause my soul um, to feel heavy and restless and disconnected, all that stuff we've already talked about. I want to put it all in that pot, press the button, and in 25 minutes have it go ding and me be there completely clutter-free. Wouldn't we love that? We would love that. But do you know what? Change is a process. It's a journey. It takes time. It takes my effort. And dare I say, it takes a strategy. It takes a strategy. And I want to give you some helpful um, starters this morning, I hope. And, uh, and it all starts with our thinking. It all starts with our thinking. And we're going to use a verse as a pivotal verse this morning. It's found in Romans 12. It's going to come up on the screen. We're going to keep coming back to this verse. And it's Romans 12, 1 to 2. And it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And there was a really famous guy called Henry Ford, and he he said a statement like this, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably why so few engage in it. I can say I'm into that. I've met a lot of people that I think this phrase covers. Thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably why so few engage in it. And you know what? We see ourselves, don't we, through lenses, through the lenses of our experiences, through the lenses of our beliefs, through the lenses of our perspectives. And because we see ourselves through our own lenses, we have blind spots. We have blind spots. And Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. Ouch. The heart, where I love from, where I give from, is deceitful. Do you know what? No matter how objective I want to be or I feel I am, my viewpoint is always distorted to some degree to some degree. And the longer I and the longer you view yourself through this distorted lens, the more likely I am to believe a distorted truth. The more likely I am to believe a distorted truth. And the longer I lie to myself or deceive myself or remain in denial about the truth, the more likely I am to base my decisions and then my actions on those decisions on that false belief system. And you're all looking at me now, but I'm honestly, this is true. I'm going to prove it to you this morning. Because you don't fall into that category, do you? But we all know people who do. We all know people who do. That is so not true. We don't know what we don't know about ourselves. And more to the point, often I don't want to know. I don't want to know. We lie to ourselves. Has anybody ever seen The X Factor? Oh, come on, Leon talked about confession last week. We can say, you know, it's not terrible. We can watch The X Factor as a Christian. It's okay. Have you ever seen those people that, you, that come on in their auditions and you just think, who's told you you can sing? Who was? And the truth is, their parents or their friends have gone, you should go on there. You'd, oh, you'd ace that. You'd ace that. And so they go on, don't they, believing that they're an awesome singer. They sing in front of those judges. The judges can them. They get kicked out. And instead of going... Oh, yeah, I'm not as great as I, th- as I thought I was. They go, I can't believe it. can't believe Simon Cowell told me how terrible I was. He's got something wrong with his ears, he has. It's, I don't think they, st- they keep believing this thing about themselves. They start to believe the lie. And the more I tell myself the lie, the more I believe it is the truth. And then when I finally see the truth, I'm actually tone deaf. I still think that truth is a lie. So how... How do we identify these self-told lies that we tell ourselves and replace them with the truth? Well, the, the, oh, sorry, fact I've got to tell you this morning. The only way we can do this is through ruthless self-examination. Through ruthless self-examination. And as I was preparing for this and really examining myself and looking at some of this stuff, I sort of became aware of a fact, really, that the closer I get to uncovering the clutter in my mind that affects my soul, the harder it fights to keep its grip. Have you noticed that? The harder you want to deal with something, and you're really committed, aren't you? And you're really saying, God, I really want to deal with this stuff, and I really want to get this right. It seems to grip even more. It seems to hold on even more. 
And the first thing that happens to me is I live in denial. I'm the queen of denial. I can deny anything to anybody. And, and that's probably what I've based some of my life experience on, is about denial. It's my first line of defense. It's what I'm working with God on. I think I'm better at it than I was. But it's still my default is denial. I can get so skilled at taking responsibility for little and justifying much. And I don't think I'm the only one. How many of you have heard yourself saying things like this? I don't have a problem with this. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a problem with this. Oh, it's no big deal. Honestly, it's no big deal. It's just the way I cope. It's just the way I cope with stuff. Don't worry about me. It's no big deal. I'm not as bad as some people. I could be worse, you know. I'm not as bad as some people. And that some people is always somebody you've got in your head, isn't it? That you're measuring yourself against. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. How about I can stop any time I want to? Thanks. I can stop any time I want to. Or... This is just the way I am, so people are just going to have to deal with it. I can say what I want to say to you in the roughest, most insensitive way I can say it to you, but it's okay because that's just the way I am. It's not true. And when we start quoting stuff like this, when we start thinking stuff like this, when we start verbalizing stuff like this, we need outside help to help us become more objective about these blind spots. But we need to ensure that our help comes from people who care about you and are willing to confront you lovingly. Because if more than one person has told you or told me that I've got a problem with something, do you know what? Chances are pretty good I probably have. But I deceive myself. I go into denial because I'm afraid of the truth. A great guy called Henry David Thoreau said this. He said, thought is the sculptor who can create the person you want to be. Thought is the sculptor who can create the person you want to be. But one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we have that get in the way of us growing spiritually emerges when we get stuck in this negative and untrue and impure thoughts instead of making the translation to what God says about us in his word, the Bible. And we lose momentum and we get tired of trying harder and feeling hopeless. Anybody with me? I get so tired, I just try harder and then something doesn't work and I feel really hopeless about that. And so we say stuff like, I'm no good, I always fail. Never works for me. My life doesn't matter. How many of you said or thought this? If I disappeared, nobody would notice. If I didn't come anymore, nobody would miss me. They wouldn't even know I hadn't come. No matter how hard I try, I'll never make a difference. I mess up everything I do. And God could never love me because I'm the only one in this world that is worthless. Or I have to take care of myself, you know, because nobody's ever come through for me. Nobody's ever come through for me. And any one of these thoughts can be deadly, you know, because the root of things we do outwardly is the false beliefs we embrace inwardly. Abraham Lincoln said, I want to know all God's thoughts and all the rest are just details. I wish I could live by that. So let's stop for a minute and think. Do you battle, do you battle, do I battle with negative thoughts about yourself or others or life in general? Because all of this has an impact on your soul. All of this has an impact on your soul. And I think we need to think about our minds sort of like, um, like a firewall in a computer And what firewalls do, they stop viruses getting in and polluting what is going on in the technology of the machine that you're working with. It will distort what you're doing. 
Viruses can even be so subtle that stuff is going out of your computer, isn't it, without you even knowing it. And I suppose what I'm saying in that is we need to update our virus protection. We need to update our virus protection. We have to know what we're fighting against and what we're fighting for. And the great news this morning is that we can win the mind game. Because once we identify what the virus is, we can stop it poisoning our well. We can stop it poisoning our soul. Once you've identified that, you can have like a mental palate that can taste the toxin that you're susceptible to. That can pollute the well of your soul. And Craig Rochelle, who's written this great book that some of this series is based on called Soul Detox, he says there are four things that can poison our minds. Pessimism, anxiety, bitterness, and criticism. And we need to regularly weed our garden of our mind for these four things. Do you know what? I wish if you weeded your garden once it was done, don't you? But I tell you, it can feel like minutes and they're starting to come back up through the soil again. And this is what happens in our minds. Pessimism produces chronically negative thoughts. Chronically negative thoughts. And a close cousin to negative thinking is our fearful thinking. You know, relational fears, fears about the future, worrying about your children, comes manifest through anxiety. And then I can easily suffer from being discontent. I don't like my body. I wish I looked different. Or maybe you just have to be dating somebody all the while because something about it makes you feel that you're not complete unless you're with somebody else. Or about our material dissatisfaction with the bigger house or we want a better holiday or a, you know, a better car. Or how about criticism, finding fault with people and buildings and even church. Can't believe she dressed like that this morning. Or how about work? I work with such a bunch of idiots. Or church, that music was so loud this morning. Do they put any coffee into that coffee? Do you know what? You'll always find what you're looking for. You'll always find what you're looking for. And there's this great analogy with two birds, vultures and hummingbirds. Both are birds, both are flying, both are looking for what they need. Vultures are searching for dead things. Hummingbirds searching for life-giving, sweet-tasting nectar. And do you know what? Every day, that bird will find what it's looking for. Every day. And the same is true for us. I can live on a roadkill diet or I can find nectar in every day. Decide the destination of your mind. Decide the destination of your mind. So how do you do that? Let me first tell you, this isn't positive thinking. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm not talking about having a mantra that you repeat to yourself over and over and over again, as helpful as that may be. God has provided a strategy for us. And we're going to look at what his strategy is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's going to come up on the screen, verses 3 to 5. And it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it 
obedient to Christ. And the Greek word for that, if you look at, you know, um, the word power there is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. And what it literally means is the explosive, miraculous power of God. So they have divine dynamis, divine explosive power of God to demolish strongholds. Now what's a stronghold? A stronghold is literally a, a fortified prison. So it's almost like I'm a prisoner and I'm locked in that prison, but I'm locked in that prison by deception. I've believed a lie that's put me in that prison. And my enemy tries to shape my thinking one lie at a time. So I'm in that prison believing something that isn't true. Believing something that isn't true. And so what does the enemy often tell you? What does the enemy often tell you? Is it you can't trust people? Can't trust people. Is it God can't and doesn't love you? Is it he never doesn't care? Doesn't care what's happening to you in your life? Is it your life is always going to turn out bad? What is the lie that you are believing that has put you in that fortified prison, has put you in that stronghold? Paul says... When he wrote this, that we demolish, we crush, we destroy anything that is not from God, we smash it. And we take captive every thought. And you could be sitting there saying, well, why does all of this matter? I'll tell you why this matters. The life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. The life that you have is often a reflection of the thoughts that you think. And your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. So what do we know about our thoughts? We know, don't we, that most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. That's no big revelation to you this morning. You know that. The revelation is going to be, how do we do that? So I want you to think about what you think about. Think about the last few days. What have you thought about? Kind of like a thought audit. You know, there's people come in and look at everything in detail. We had um, an assessment this week from a kite marking um, organization that says whether the charity that I, I work for is, is a trusted one. And let me, I've met some detailed person, but this woman, man, she was on it. And it made us look at how our internal stuff worked, about how our processes, why we did the things we did, why we found ourselves working in the ways that we worked with. As painful as it was, it was brilliant. And then I thought, Man, have I ever done that with what I think about? I ever let myself actually think about what I think about and audit that. And Craig Rochelle again has done this scale with extreme thoughts and it's, I can't say it any better than he did, so I've nicked his bit here. And, and there were three um, sort of sets or arenas where our thoughts naturally go to. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put yourself on these? The first one is worried thoughts versus peaceful thoughts. So if you had to grade yourself on a percentage of the last three days maybe and where your thoughts have been more worried or more peaceful, where would you put yourself? Have you been worried about what people think? Have you been worried about your future, about money, about your health, about how long is she going to keep talking this morning? Is that one right now for you? Or is it peaceful where you're resting well at night? Well, something in your world may not be right, but actually you're saying, do you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay. How about the second one, positive mindset versus a negative mindset? Have you found yourself being critical? 
about people or about things? Have you found fault easily? Are you discontented? Do you feel life is always hard? Or have you spent more time believing the best about people? Believing God is for you and not against you. And the third one is this. Worldliness versus an eternal mindset. And this is basically, are you thinking more about things that benefit you? Have I thought about things that I'm going to get something out of this? It's going to build me up. Or have I been more thinking about what benefits the things of God, about how I can be a blessing to you, how I can live my life well? In other words, what comes into your life often comes through the the pathway of your mind. Your thoughts matter. Let me tell you, your thoughts matter. My thoughts matter. So think about what you think about. And if your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought, are you excited by the direction your thought life is taking you this morning? Are you excited by that? And do you know what? There have been some times in my life when I have to say, no, and it's not a small no, it's a big yelling out, no, I'm not happy, God. I'm not happy with where my thought life is taking me. I need to retrain my mind. I need to renew my mind. So if you put the Romans verse and the Corinthians verse together, we sort of try and start to see a strategy appearing. And what is the strategy? There's two parts to this. And the first one is this. Identify the number one stronghold that is holding you back. And maybe you can hear that in your self-talk. My past is too bad. I'm never going to be good enough. God could never use me. I'm never going to be in a job I love. I want to bring a bit of science to you this morning. Um, My limited amount of science. um, But I think Paul had an inkling about this. And for centuries, you know, people thought that the brain um, was essentially fixed after adolescence. But we know now that that's not true. We know that that's not true, that the brain continues to evolve. And there's something called neural pathways. And this fascinates me. And the more I've looked at it, the more it fascinates me. So whenever we have a thought, our brain is like literally redesigning itself around that thought. There's a changing chemical makeup going on in our brain. And every single thought we have creates this chemical change in our body. So if you think a positive thought, your body rewards you with this legal drug called dopamine. Anybody heard of dopamine? So you get um, a big um, like on your social media. You feel good. That's dopamine. Um, you uh, get some good news. Dopamine. You, um, somebody gives you a compliment. That's a dopamine rush. Your brain is actually saying, I like that thought. I like that thought. And what happens is the more you think a thought, the more you're creating what the scientists call a neural pathway in your brain. And your brain creates this path. It's like walking across grass in the same place. So if you've got a big area of field, rather than walking all the way around the outside, you'll cut across it, won't you? And you'll wear a path in it. And you can see where people have walked because it's the quickest way. And so you keep walking and you keep walking across it. The more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. 
The more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. And if you think a, th a thought enough, if you think it enough, that thought becomes a default thought in your brain. It's like that pathway is there across the grass. And you won't go around the outside anymore. Boom, you're there. So I'm never going to have enough or be enough becomes so easy to think over time that you've created a negative neural pathway in your brain. To change our thinking, we have to change the path your thought is traveling on. So if that's negative, I have to stop and I have to say, wait, that thought is not helpful. I know it's not productive. It's definitely not from God. So I capture that thought and I choose a different thought and I create a new pathway over that grass. How can I explain that better? Um, so I don't feel good about myself. Um, so I eat. And so that becomes a well-worn pathway straight to the fridge door. So somehow I found myself thinking something, and before I know it, I'm at the fridge door. So I have to capture that thought, and I say to myself, no, when I don't feel good, and I eat more, I'm just compounding that unhealthy feeling, Jane, because I know that I might get a little thrill from what I'm choosing to eat there, that bit of chocolate or that bit of pie, but that wears off pretty quickly, and I actually end up feeling worse than I did before I started. So I'm going to choose a new path. I'm going to do something different, and I may find myself at the fridge, but I'm going to eat something healthy. That's attractive, isn't it? I, I could feel the energy in the room there, but that's literally what it's about. Because the truth is, if I keep traveling along an unhealthy path, it becomes so much easier to keep doing that. But if I tread the new path, although it doesn't look so appealing, and it is effort, and it does take my time, and it does take a strategy, eventually God's truth becomes a default one that I am thinking instead of the lie that I'm believing. Romans 12, 2, do you remember that verse we started with at the start? Don't conform to the pathway, basically. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't live like the world lives. Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, or as scientists call it in the 21st century, rewiring your brain. I think they're the same thing. I think they're the same thing. We're just catching up with what the creator did thousands of years ago. He knew we would need help with this. He knew we would need help with it. And the beauty of it is the word renewing there means to restore, to renovate, to make better than new. To make better than new. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? So you need to name the stronghold. Identify the thing that is holding you back. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Give it a name. And then the second part is you name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Identify what the lie is and then identify the truth. You know Paul struggled with his mind. He struggled with his health. But he never surrendered to the lie. He never, you can see his battles, but he never surrendered to the lie. And he could write that because I think he battled with the thoughts that he had to take captive. And that word captive means to arrest or to seize at sword point. At sword point. And that got me thinking, you know, because. In the New Testament, Paul wrote a lot of stuff and he wrote a book that you can find called Ephesians. And he wrote about this thing called the armor of God. 
Now, that's a whole talk in itself. But if you read it, basically, he, he sort of explains the, the, the armour that a Roman soldier would have had and how it is protective of us. So our helmet, our breastplate, the, the belt, um, your shoes, how it's all protective and defends us, you know, protects us against stuff, except one bit, the sword of the Spirit. Now, what's the sword of the Spirit? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, which is written in what we call the Bible today. So what he's done is he's linked those things together. He said, you take captive every thought, captive, arresting at sword point. Well, how do you do that? By using what God has already said about you. And we know that to be truth. And we've said it this morning. We've sung it out this morning. The truth of God. We capture that lie and we say, this isn't from God. I'm choosing not to believe it. And the more I travel God's truth, the more I believe it, the more he renews my mind or rewires your brain, whichever way you go with it, the more he changes my thinking, the more he guides me. The more I travel God's truth, the more I believe it, the more he renews my mind, the more he guides me. The more I travel God's truth, the more I believe it, the more he renews my mind, the more he guides me. Can you see the pattern? It's a strategy. It's not a once over weed. We have to keep doing this. Until something clicks and it's a default and we don't need to go through that process anymore because I can taste the toxin that's affecting me. I can name it for what it is and I think, actually, do you know what, God? That's that. I'm not having that in my mind. I'm not having that clutching up my soul. I'm not having my emotions come out from the basis of that thought. That is a lie. That is a lie. So my lie could be that I'm never enough. I'm never going to be enough. And do you know what? There's some truth in that. Because on my own, I'm not. But I'm never on my own, am I? When I have a relationship with God, he's always with me. And 2 Peter 1.3 says this, God's divine power has given me everything I need to live a godly life. So when you think I can never get it all done, no, when you're weak, he makes me strong. But I don't feel attractive. I don't think there's anything of value. You know, there's nothing in me that somebody should like or love. Do you know what? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But I'm just so miserable. I'm just so miserable, Jane. And I'm hurting so much this morning. Do you know what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But it's okay for you, Jane, isn't it? You're married. You're never on your own. you know what? God will never leave you or forsake you. But it's just too much, Jane. This addiction is too strong. Nobody knows about it. I keep falling every time. I keep failing every time. Do you know what? I'm not who I say I am. I am who God says I am. And in that truth, I can become an overcomer. And it doesn't matter. You know, it's a strategy. It doesn't matter if you pick it up on Sunday and you fall on a Tuesday. You pick it up on Wednesday and you go again. You go again. We need to know the truth. Why? Because the truth is the only thing that will set us free. People can talk to me. I can hang out socially. I can cover it all with loads of stuff. I can deny I even think it. But do you know what? The truth will set me free. Do not stay locked in a prison when Jesus has opened the door. 
So how did Jesus open the door? And we're going to take communion this morning together. And this is such a beautiful way of wrapping this up. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just make it possible that I could have a reconnection with God. He didn't just break the power of death, a future thing, so that I could live eternity with him. He re-established, he renewed that pathway. But that also meant that he broke the power of every possible lie I could believe about myself and provided me with the tools I need to have that freedom right here this morning. I don't have to wait to start that process. But, but what I need to say is communion isn't going to act like an instant pot. It's not going to act like an instant pot. I would love to pour all the stuff that I think that tries to stand up what I know God thinks about me into a pot and have it magically dealt with. Communion isn't an instant pot, but it can open the doorway of the prison that you may have found yourself sitting in. It may declutter your mind a little this morning so you can start to see the path that you need to take. And I'm going to invite you to come out and take communion when you're ready. And since you can't change what you can't or won't identify, as you come to communion, I'm asking you to be brave this morning. Be brave and ask God, God, is there an area of my life that is being harmful to me at the moment? Have I found myself falling into patterns of thinking? that I know aren't true but I'm starting to believe them as though they are don't let yourselves be deceived this morning because you might be afraid of the truth this isn't a condemnatory exercise it's not a judgmental place communion is the place of a great exchange as you come out this morning when you're ready remember God is so loving and so gentle and remember at the end anyway I am who he says I am I am who he says I am and Vicky's going to sing over us a bit this morning and I just want to invite you when you're ready come to the table where all things were made possible even the mess that's in my head sometimes that nobody else sees or hears but me we can declutter our soul by renewing our mind